welcome to another exciting episode of Legends in the Dark, where we will be musing about the comings and goings of my neighbors. <laughs> my name is Jay. I'm Leslie. Like, seriously, they're, like, going up and down the stairs. I have no idea what they're doing. Are they moving things in or moving things out? I, I can't tell. I know, and then I have a neighbor. I mean, to be fair, it is Saturday afternoon. It had um, rained this last week, so I think people thought it was going to rain in the morning, so no one did anything. And now that it hasn't rained, everyone's trying to go outside and, you know, mow the lawn and get everything done. So I'm sitting there like, dude, neighbors, rude. Trying to record in here. Let me ask you a question. Does does your side of town live like an exist in an alternate ecosystem than mine does? Because it always seems like your side of town rains and then uh, my side of town gets nothing. Well, it, it's overcast over here, but it, everything's damp and wet. Like, it rained last night, but it hasn't dried. And then I went to Fresno today, on your side of town, basically, because I had to take the dog to the vet. And I walked Baxter, and because we were waiting in the car, Jesse was the one who went to the vet. And how the vet is doing it now is you don't go into anything. You, you, they come out, they get the dog. You don't even hand them a card to pay. You have to do everything over the phone. And the vet will, um, you know, look over the dog, and then they will give you a call, and they will say, okay, all your options. And so we're waiting in the car, and we have to take both dogs because Baxter will chew stuff if he's left alone at the house. And I walked him, and it's it, it, it's same over there. It was all wet. Like, it just rained. And I don't think it rained since last night, so I don't know why there's so much water everywhere. <laughs> But, yeah, I tell you, like, oh, the other morning it's really foggy. You're like, it's not foggy over here. <laughs> so there's that a was wet- weird because it, it wasn't really foggy in the when I woke up, but it seemed like it started getting foggy, like, a couple hours later. And now it's kind of like, now, like, it's just like you said, now it's just kind of overcast and stuff. But I'm just kind of like, when are we going to get some rain? I want some rain. Yeah, it was supposed to rain last week, but then it didn't. Like I said, we're in separate ecosystems. You're like in the <laughs> oops, sorry. You're in the, like the southern hemisphere of the dome, and I'm in like the northern hemisphere of the dome. Okay, so what are we doing tonight? We're doing something special tonight. Today we are going to we're doing what I would like to say, call tidbits and tales from our own backyard. I've been wanting to do some of these stories, and I've told you this. It's just it's hard to do these stories because. It, they're so close to us. I wish we could go and visit them and walk around and kind of like what we did with Porterville and, and do like an investigation. But, you know, a lot of places are still closed in California. You can't travel. You can't, you can't do much. So, I mean, I've been really wanting to tell these stories for a long time. And after Halloween, like I told you, my brother-in-law gave me some really good stories. I really want to share this. I'm really hoping that once everything kind of settles down, I can interview him and actually record some of his stories because he's just, he has so many. I'm really excited about all these like tidbits from our own backyard. Yeah. It's always, it's always exciting to be like, oh, hey, this actually happened someplace that's like only like a two hour drive from here. I know because we talk about like catacombs in Paris. It's like, I want catacombs. Okay, I also apologize if there's any sounds because my husband's in the other room in the and playing video games. I I apologize on my end as well because you may hear either a dog barking or people walking up and downstairs outside. I know we're places. we're trying we're trying. Well, my first one today, as I understand, we're doing kind of like a back and forth. Yes, because ours are a little bit shorter stories. Exactly. So my first one, very short. But it's also relatively recent compared to, like, a lot of stories that we usually do. You know, most of the really good ones are from, like, you know, decades ago and stuff like that. 
or they're so far away that like you can't even go and visit it or you have to like base everything off internet and pictures use your use the power of imagination right so this one is about when it started as early as 2007 we're talking about the fresno night crawlers and I, you know, it's so funny. I had a friend who asked me why we haven't done this yet. And I said, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I feel like every other podcast I've listened to has actually done this. Well, I think the reason why a lot of, why we really haven't done it is, to be fair, as interesting as it is, there's not really a lot of information on it. There's only like two accounts yeah. that, that we're really aware of or that have been re- reported and the last one was there's been two uh, one was fresno california 2007 where it was caught on a uh, security camera footage if i'm not mistaken right mm-hmm. and caught one there was one fresno nightcrawler in that video the second one was about about four years later 2011 in yosemite california this one had two night crawlers walking around up in there and and they're very strange looking very strange looking and every every story that i read or well limited stories that are available basically describe them all the same way they look like a pair of ambulatory pajama pants they really do they have no chest no neck it's just these two legs with a head head. well something that resembles a head so yeah, that's basically the Fresno Nightcrawlers. There's not really a whole lot beyond that. The only thing, the thing that I was finding um, when I was looking for it is that they also re- resemble another cryptid. Uh, it's called the Carmel Area Creature, which is in Carmel. I actually don't know if it was Carmel, California, or Carmel it said something about Ohio too. So I'm not really sure. <laughs> I yeah, don't really it, know what it was. It was kind of vague. With cryptids, is for me if I'm seeing the videos and these videos. You know, they're interesting, they're intriguing, but they also kind of look, you know, a little bit hoaxy, you know? It's, it's, I just can't take it 100% seriously, but I do like hearing the story, but it's just, it's nothing else. I don't have an opinion one way or another, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a hoax or, you know, I, I have more opinion on the investigations that people have done on him versus what the story is. Yeah. And a lot of people basically said like what it is. I mean, it's not... They're not like a cryptid on the same level as like the Jersey Devil or the Chupacabra or something like that. You know, not nearly enough sightings of it to make it like a widespread phenomenon. It's definitely like something that kind of was like, oh, you know, it's a it's a fun little cryptid story from our own hometown, basically. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Fresno doesn't really have a lot of cryptid stuff. And we have some hauntings, hauntings oh, yeah. here, here in Fresno, but or the Fresno Clovis area, but cryptid-wise, we don't really have a lot to offer here. So it's kind of like, oh, hey, we actually have one. Very limited, but we have one. We but, have t-shirts. <laughs> but, like, uh, I did, the first time I heard about it was, I think it was, like, in 2009, 2010. I can't remember when it came out, but there was a show called Factor Fate Paranormal Files. I don't think you've ever seen it, right? I Personally, I have not, no. So they have an episode, and it's only like a 20-minute segment, because they do. So how it's set up is they will take two legend stories, whatever's viral, and they'll investigate. 
Now, I'm not really big on the show. I was watching it because I think it was a produce executive produced by like Josh Gates. Even one of the his investigators were on it. Um, oh, what's her name? Like Jamel? No, Jalel. I think her name was. So I really wanted to watch it because I thought it was kind of going to be like Destination Truth. And they tried to kind of do it, and I think they were really serious in kind of doing it, but never knew the areas they went. So if they go somewhere in the Himalayas, it's like, oh, okay, I'm trusting that you're going to the actual Himalayas. And so when they did the Fresno Nightcrawler to see if it was fact or fake, it was hilarious to me because they go to the guy's house and... They're like, oh, you know, he, and they're trying to debunk it. Or like, is it a kid? And they dress up the kid in white clothes, like his son in white clothes and have him walk in front of a camera. And they're like, no, it's too big. Like, it's like, yeah, it's not a kid, dude. But, you know, they're trying to debunk it. They're trying to be professional. But then they said, okay, well, Jose said that there are some woods north of us. So we're going to go into these woods. Well, where they went was literally the biggest park up here is, is basically like our central park there's lakes there's a japanese gardens it's a really big park and the only reason we knew it was the park is because they did like a pan and there is a main intersection that goes out of fresno but they have a shopping center and the shopping center is all lit up and they're like oh look all those lights over there it's like, so it does look like a little town. No, it's a shopping center. So they weren't like in this deep forest. And then they're like, do you hear these sounds? Now, to be fair, that we know they're bats. The caves over here have bats. You hear those sounds? They're bats. If you don't know they're bats, yeah, it's a really creepy sound. But then on the other hand, I really can't take like when one of the investigators saying like, I feel like we're being watched or I feel like we're being targeted. And... Mm -hmm. They do a really quick, and they must have known during the editing because it, it was a quick interview. It's only like five seconds, but they say something like they interview one of the the investigators, and they're like, "Yeah, it's a weird feeling here," and that's all they say because I bet you anything the reason they had to cut it it was really fast. But behind him, there's this metal pole with a metal basket, and if you are a ultimate frisbee player, you know that's they're on the ultimate frisbee field in this park. So it's like. I really want to take them seriously when they're investigating this, but it's like, dude, you're in a park. Like, it's it's not a forested area. <laughs> right, like, like there's, there's, there's soccer goals and a ball, like, sitting out there. Like, especially, we, we literally are, like, a gateway to Yosemite. You could have just gone and filmed in Yosemite, or at least, like, in, in one of the towns up in the mountains. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just... There's a couple of high school students playing hacky sack there. It really it's hilarious because you, if you have ever gone visit the park, they have these sections where there's a hill and they have like fallen logs where it's kind of positioned in a way almost like where you can sit. And that's where they park their car. I'm like, oh, that I know exactly which entrance they're at. So yeah, with the Fresno Nightcrawler, everyone's all like, ooh, that is creepy. I will admit the one from the Yosemite because what it was, it was a trap cam in Yosemite Park. But still, they look so fake. I'm not even going to lie. They look so fake. They really do, actually. I mean, that's, but, you know, it's still kind of cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's like, it's a creepy story in the sense that I wouldn't want to be out there and see these things. Like, especially Yosemite, there's so many weird things at Yosemite that I don't know if I want to ever really go camping there. 
Oh yeah, no, there was a lot. There was a lot more stuff and a lot of things that I again couldn't really find a lot of inf- enough information that I really felt like I wanted to do a story on just yet. There was, a, but there were a lot of interesting ones in there. Yeah, you want me hop into mine? Mine, my yeah, first one is very I, short. Yeah, mine. That was pretty much mine. The Fresno Nightcrawlers. Yay! Okay, you can go ahead and do yours now. Okay, but it's still interesting. I, I mean, you know what? Like you said, it's in our own backyard. Press yes. <laughs> okay, so my brother-in-law came over on Halloween um, because my my mother-in-law's birthday was that weekend, and Halloween was just and we sat outside. We had uh, the electric heaters on outside, and it was actually not that cold, and we talked about our lives and about everything and then towards the end of the night we started talking about like creepy stuff and that is something that I love to hear from him and I'm really really hoping that the next time I can interview him like I don't know why I just didn't go and grab my recorder or even just use my phone because he just has the best story so I really didn't take notes so I'm doing this from memory as best as I can. So I might ask him to retell the story. But I just remember I was so enthralled with this story that afterwards, even my husband was like, wow, you you just like, you stared at my brother-in-law or, you know, at my brother and you didn't blink. Because <laughs> like the story was just so interesting to me. So what he was talking about is, so he bike rides and he does off-road bikes. So he rides a dirt bike. And now... This story, I'm not sure if it's not in Yosemite, but it's near the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, um, where we live. And this was right after winter, so not many people were on these trails up there. And because he's been doing um, races, I think he did his first one when he was 16, and he's in his 50s now. So he's done these races on his bike for a long time, and he knows everyone. He's that friendly guy. And so he would go and help scout out these trails. And he just knew, he knows the area very, very well. So I can't remember what the area he told me was. But he would tell me these stories where he would go up there and he's by himself. And he would take his bike and he would go on these trails. And sometimes he would stop and he's like looking over the trails. He's looking over the vista. And he just hears weird noises. And they're like screams and like grunts. And, you know, is it Bigfoot? Is it not? Is it another weird animal? You know, he doesn't know. He's not going out looking for that. He's going out for something else. So he tells me about this one time where he said the one time that he felt really kind of off-putting was he went up after winter. And he was one of the first people to go down this trail. And he bikes down this trail and it's clear. And what I mean is there's no tracks. He's like the first person on this trail after like a a snowfall or after the winter. And he goes, and he goes this loop. And I don't know if it like goes down the valley or comes back up. But it's not more than like three or four minutes, five minutes. I can't remember, but I think he says he stops. But there's this time where he is like reviewing like the vista. And not reviewing, but viewing the vista. And when he like takes off his helmet and stuff, he turns off his bike and he it's very quiet. And if this is the same story, it's very quiet, not even birds. And he thought that was weird. So he kind of starts getting that like weird feeling of like, okay, you know what? I think I'm just gonna go ahead and head out. 
this track looks good, this trail looks good, we can, but you know, it loops around and be maybe too dangerous, so we wouldn't be use it. So he turns on his bike, puts his helmets on, he leaves, and he's coming back the same way he came in. He's even following his tire track out of this trail. As he goes, he gets around this loop, and he sees something in the middle of the track, or in the middle of the trail. And when he gets closer, and I can't remember if he said if it was a log, like I think he thought a log had fallen, but when he got closer, he sees that it's these big rocks. And he's like, oh wow, you know, was there like a rock fallen, like a, a fallen rocks from a cliff? But when he gets closer, he's noticed that it's not like something has fallen and rolled a little bit, or even like, you know, I have, if you fall, if something falls in mud, and this is kind of like what is like with the tracks, it would splatter. This was placed there because there was no splatter or nothing. This was like gently placed there. And he told me it was three rocks across the path with like little rocks on top. And what really creeped him out because he kind of would have thought, okay, this may have fallen and stuff. But they were in a perfect line going across. So he had to stop. Like he he saw that he had to stop. And what was really creepy is one of the rocks was exactly in the middle of one of the tracks of his dirt bike. So it wasn't something that he thought, well, maybe I didn't see it on the way or like I saw it, but I went around it. No, he it wasn't there five minutes ago because his dirt bike went track went right through it. So he... um. I think he said he moved one of the rocks and then he just kept going because it's very disconcerting when you're on a trail and you take this loop and then you come back and basically something's there. But here's this creepy thing. He said, okay, well, someone must be messing with me. You know, he has some friends, maybe like they knew he was going up there. Maybe they're messing with him. There was no other tracks. And he's like, I didn't go off the, the trail or the path. So maybe like in the underbrush, but on his trail where it was still like being left, like tracks being left, and he was the first one and the only one, there was no tracks. Like he's like, I don't even understand how those rocks were set there. There was no tracks. So that was a really creepy story. And then later, I'll have my second story. I have another story from a park ranger that's very similar to my brother-in-law's story. So it's just this weird feeling when you're out in the forest and you're out completely alone and stuff like that happens. And you know that what? That's creepy. That, that's, that's super creepy. Yeah. And so here's another thing. I'm not saying it's Bigfoot and I'm not saying it's not Bigfoot. I'm not saying cryptids are not, but here's a story is I think he does believe in Bigfoot. So he, he kind of thinks, you know, it's not human that did that. I'm on the opinion and we've talked about this a thousand times before it could be a cryptid, it could be some creature, or it could be a human because there's a lot of little places that people will will habitate up there. They have like a little cabin or something and they will do creepy things like that. And the next story is basically like, is it something else or is it human? And I think sometimes that human factor is so much scarier than, you oh, yeah, know. There's, there's humans out there that do creepy things just like a you would think a cryptid would do you know people out there who eat other people and who do horrible things to other people 
Yeah, and like I just because they feel like they can. Yeah, and like I said, my brother-in-law has like tons of these stories because he's done this since you know he was sixteen. He's probably more when he was an adult helping going out there. Like they even use him when they need search and rescue because he knows the area so well, and so he has tons of stories like these. And I was just sitting there on like I told Chris, I said that was my favorite favorite Halloween. And I mean, I've had first Halloweens with boyfriends. I've had first Halloweens with, you know, Chris. And we've had parties and we've had, you know, okay, I don't have kids. So maybe if I ever had kids, those would be great Halloweens. But I tell you, that was by far my favorite, just sitting around, eating steak, and having him tell me these creepy stories of the forest. You had me at eating steak. Right? (laughs) We could be talking about ballet or something. I'd be like, well, there's steak. (laughs) Well... I know, that's right? A, steak that's, makes it. That's a game changer. Steak makes it better. Okay, so okay, what's your second story? So my next one, this is this one is located in. Uh, it's not in the parks or anything, but like I said, it's still in, you know, the Central Valley. We're going to be talking about something. Like, this is a tale that kind of goes all over the place, and it's like horror and government intrigue and. Oh, you're getting way too excited about it. Like, you're, you're smiling. You're like, oh, this is good. And this may this bears a striking resemblance to something else we've done before. I'm going to see if you can pick, see, see how long it takes you to figure out which one I've done. Okay. Okay, so it's a story you've done before? Yes. Okay, okay, that will narrow it down then. We're going to talk about the Billy Whack Monster. The Billy Whack Monster. Is it going to be like Sheep Squatch? You really know how to take the wind out of my sails, don't you, Leslie? <laughs> well, that was a fun one. It was fun because, like, the show we were up and down that I wasn't going to do it, then I ended up doing it anyways. Well, because you started liking it. Like, I was like, hey, you should do this Sheep Squatch. I think you would enjoy it. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then you would watch the, no, the video. I want, everybody to, I want everybody to envision me telling that story and then rubbing my temples the whole time I'm talking. Yeah, but you know what? You have a soft spot in the end for it. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. Okay, so this is an urban legend that has tales that date all the way back to about World War II. Mm. Or World War II area. Actually, some of it's a little bit before World War II, but I'll, I'll go over all that. So the tales of a tall, muscular, ape-like humanoid with long claws gray hair and ram-like horns on top of its head which lurks around the area of santa paula in ventura county california dun 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 i was gonna say is ventura is not really near us it's in still in the central valley right or is it not or is it outside of the central valley i might be wrong it's in california though i know that much okay creepy california let's do it let's do it so the creature calls the area known as the Camulus Ranch its home and has specifically been encountered also on the Aliso Canyon Road and occasionally the Wheeler Canyon Road near what was once the Billywhack Dairy and Ranch. Nothing good ever happened with an abandoned dairy and ranch. Right? Nothing. Nothing. The creature has tormented mostly high school students from the Santa Paula High School. The victims claim the creature has thrown 50-pound rocks at their cars and even pounded on the hoods of their vehicles, leaving dents. It's also been reported, and this is, the, this is the part I like the most out of those things, it's also been reported to carry around a large club. Oh, wow. You know, I don't, 
I, like it's just out it's just out to get people like yeah i got a club yeah I'm like i don't know if i've thing. i think i've only heard one other cryptid that kind of attacks like that but it doesn't carry a club i think it has really big claws that attacks cars like that we've now we've heard a lot of stories where or read a lot of stories where like you know with Bigfoot sightings and they like they tend to throw things. Yeah, and like the one I'm thinking about is I think skunk ape, the one in Florida, and and yeah, yeah they they um tear. They the... like to throw. They like to throw rocks. Yeah, which is creepy. I'll admit it's creepy if when you see the videos of people walking and they get like a rock thrown and they're in the middle. It's not like they're near a cliff, and you're like, where did that come from? Uh, especially when it's a fifty pound rock. Oh, yeah. Or, or like, my, seriously, like, my brother-in-law's story with the rocks blocking his path, that like he had to stop. And that's what creeped him out, is he, something out there wanted him to stop again. So, right. I mean, yeah, rocks, you don't think of rocks as something as sinister as Unless maybe. It's being thrown at you. Yeah, well, I know, but you don't really, like, you see a rock, you see the signs for the rock slide, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. Don't want to be in that, but then it's like you really when you stop to really think about being in the middle of nowhere and having a rock thrown at you, and you're just like, "What the heck?" Right. In the fifties, a nine-year-old boy was reported being attacked by a weird animal near the Billywhack Dairy. Ended up having scratches across his arms and back. Uh, in nineteen sixty-four, the Los Angeles Times reported deputies found a young boy not specified age, carrying, this is quoting, carrying a sword off to slay the bee. And in that same article, a woman who leased the land around the area had to hold off 43 monster-seeking children with a shotgun until authorities arrived. So the Billywhack Dairy, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, according to the legend, is a decrepit ruin of a once state-of-the-art modern dairy farm which also contains underground underground rooms and tunnels. Also, supposedly, is missing a lot of walls due to, well, basically, time. The dairy was started and run by one August Rubel, who moved to Ventura County in 1922 and began running the farm in 1924. A once native of Zurich, Switzerland... He served in the American. He served the American Field Service in France from 1917 to 1919. Legend also connects him to the Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS, which, for those who don't know, it was the precursor to the CIA. Ooh, that's creepy. Legend also says that the OSS had Rubel performing experiments beneath the dairy, including trying to create a super soldier, the Billywhack monster, possible product of this research escaped to haunt the local area so rubel after performing the experiments supposedly was sent overseas and died mysteriously during doing secret work for the oss in in 1943 sorry uh historically he died in tunisia when the ambulance he was driving hit a german landmine draw your own conclusions for that one now most accounts state that the dairy was abandoned once Rubel left the left to go overseas, leaving the monster to its own devices and to haunt the local area, you know, and so on and so forth. Other accounts say that Rubel's wife, Mary Colgate McIsaac, remarried in 1946 to an Edwin Berger, 
Mary herself died in 1968, and Berger continued to managing and living on the ranch that August Rubel built. That's not even the only weird tale that came out of that area. There's also stories of hidden compartments in the in the underground rooms and tunnels with uncashed checks written out to Rubel. Uh, there's another story of another cryptid in that area. No specific name, but it's been described as being kind of a small, kind of ape-like, about the size of a 12-year-old boy with really long, lanky arms and has been reported to be, you know, steal chickens from farms nearby. But that is creepy, though, to think about, you know, it affects, it kind of reminds me of Cropsy, where they had that urban legend quote unquote and but it was kind of based in truth i'm just wondering if something happened in that area in the 20s 30s and 40s and it just kind of you know took on another life you know what i mean yeah i would love it if one day somebody reported like a sighting say like dude i went out in the woods one time and i saw swear to god i saw bigfoot in a fist fight with sheep squatch. <laughs> they were like throwing chucking rocks at each other and like, you know, Bigfoot apparently can deliver like one wicked haymaker. You know, it's just crazy. Like he was doing like MMA fighting style. So you kind of want like the America's version of like Godzilla versus like King Kong, but you want like, you know, the Yeti like the, versus like, like Yeah, it's like the you know the, the California Central Valley version of it. That's so funny. You know, the night, the Fresno Nightcrawlers are just kind of standing around refereeing, you know, like, yeah, using their, yeah, using their foot to like go do that and fight. (laughs) Throwing the, throwing a yellow flag, foul, (laughs) illegal use of rocks or something. Wow. That is creepy though. But that was the Billy Whack monster. So. And again, another kind of World War II kind of coming out from that area because, you know, everyone always sees you know, something weird, and it's like, well, you know, that was used for experiments. It's just probably, it it probably was just a dairy, and I don't know, maybe they just had a lot of tunnels and stuff because they didn't know how, well, no, because it's before. a lot of stories, like, it's, to me, no matter what the story is about, if it came from, like, the 40s or, you know, around World War II area, it just, it has this twinge of kind of like creepiness to it to me it's always has like this little like that air about it so okay good story are you ready for mine i am okay so my story is actually a yosemite story again yosemite is in our backyard and i uh i read this story a long time ago and then when my brother-in-law told me the story i couldn't remember it so when i looked it up I was so glad I found it, and I wanted to do both because, to me, they are, they're kind of like in the same aspect. Yosemite, this is just the basic facts for anyone who doesn't know, is a national park in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California. It The park boasts, like, it's, it's huge. So the park boasts such sites as sequoia trees. We have granite cliffs. And for hiking and camping, we have El Capitan. We have Half Dome. We have what they call tunnel view, where it's basically where visitors can pull off and see. I think Ansel Adams did the the famous one where it's the Brideville Falls, 
and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful park. And I moved down here in 2003, four, so somewhere around there. And I think I wasn't until I married Chris that we went there. And he was like, you've never went to Yosemite? I'm like, I think I may have, but I don't really remember it. I'm not, I don't do well on in certain cars on curves. So a lot of times for me, like getting to parks and stuff, it's, it's just, it's not fun because I get really nauseous and sick and then I can't enjoy my day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm kind of the same way, but only if I'm like trying to read something. Yeah, if I'm driving, I'm fine. Or if I'm in the passenger seat, I'm fine. But the back seats, I'm I'm not bad. I'm not good. Um, in in 2019, four million four hundred twenty-two eight hundred sixty-one visitors visited the park. A lot of people, and I believe the area is about one thousand one hundred sixty-nine square miles. So it's a, it's a huge park, and it's it's also has a lot of areas where it's not very popular with visitors or not very populated with people. This story I got from The Last Adventure, the website, and the it's he says he's a park ranger and was a park ranger. He doesn't give his name and even his like little bit about me video doesn't say a name and he's wearing like a hat and goggles. So I'm gonna call him Ranger as a name since he didn't provide a name in the site in his story. So this former park ranger tells the story of the creepiest thing he experienced at Yosemite. Now, he was working in Yosemite in 1998 in the, what they call the backcountry division. And this meant that he would be on his own in this very large expanses of the park. And a lot of it was areas where there was very few visitors. There were still few visitors. He would still go into uh, to hand out permits for hiking and camping and all that but he would patrol these areas and all he would have all day would be his radio but even then his radio would be spotty and even then if he needed to get out like he was he talks about it in the story he's 30 miles in you would have to be helicoptered out so it had to be like emergency if not you're walking out ranger describes when he patrolled a loop from oshasna dam in the, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, O'Shaughnessy? Do you know that? Is it O'Shaughnessy? Yes, thank you. Dam in the northern part of Yosemite. Now, he gets out there, and the first day he parks his truck, and he goes, and he sees a few people, answers questions, and he hikes a little over nine miles, he says, past the Rancheria Falls. Do you know where those are at? I, actually, I don't think so. I don't okay. think I've ever been out in that area. I know, like, I know the dam, and I even heard about the falls, but I've never been out that. I think it's really farther north in the Yosemite. So he camped, and then the second day, he walks another nine miles, and he's patrolling. And at this point, there's little if, you know, no contact with people, and he checks in by radio. So then it goes to his third day. His third day, you know, he camps out that night. Third day, he walks... Another nine miles, give or take. And by this time, he's about 30 miles in. He's 36 hours hiking. No people, very remote. It's been about a day and a half since he's last saw someone. When he's walking on this trail, he sees something sitting right ahead of him. And when he got closer, he saw that it was a deer head. And he thought, okay, well, it's not unusual. You know, it could have been a scavenger. It could have been, like, a kill. And, and something dragged it on 
the trail. But he noticed a few things that was strange. First of all, this thing was like right in the middle of the trail. And it kind of gave him a funny feeling. Like he kind of was like telling himself how he describes it was something about his mind was like something's not right. So he, he starts, you know, really trying to look at it and seeing if there's anything unusual about it. And there is. So the first thing is it was fresh but it had no blood around it. The second thing was there was no tracks around it. So it wasn't like something dragged it there, like killed it off on the side, dragged it there, or even that, or even that it was carrying the head and dropped it. Like there's no blood. So it's like, okay, that's weird. The third thing, and he did not see nor found when he even went off the trail, the rest of the body. So it wasn't something is, if it was a scavenger, something is carrying this, or even if it was, you know, something carrying it above head and dropping it. And, you know, it just didn't look like another animal dragged it or did anything with it. So he's, because he's trying to convince himself, it's just an animal. It's just an animal who killed this deer. Well, the last thing, he examines the cut at the head and it was clean. And straight and he could tell it was made by a blade or an axe so there's no hunting in Yosemite not saying that it probably you know people don't do it but if there's no hunting but someone did hunt someone could be out there so here's a story that you're thinking okay Leslie is it someone out there is it Bigfoot what is what caused this head to be there and he starts getting kind of creeped out he even radios you know, he even radios in and he kind of stops and he's like, you know, what am I going to tell them? And so he just kind of gives them a code for saying everything's good, clear, but it really creeps him out. He starts feeling like someone's watching him and he's like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll document it, takes pictures and he's like, okay, well, I'll just go ahead and bury it. So he buries the head. Everything's done. Picks up his pack, puts everything away, starts back down the trail. It's going forward, complete his loop. So he walks for about a half a mile. Then, in front of him, it's another head in the middle of the trail. So this one, he's a little bit more hesitant. And he gets up there, and this one is not as fresh as the first one. But everything is the same. It's right in the middle. It's clean cut. Doesn't seem to be any blood around. And he starts kind of really looking around in the trees in off the trail seeing if like he can see any tracks see anything around he doesn't find anything again the rest of the body is gone completely quiet completely alone he buries the head he takes pictures documents it he buries the head he walks another half mile down this trail he sees a third head still in the middle but this one is basically the oldest and it's almost skeleton and so by this time, he's freaked out and, and he doesn't want to be there. But he's again, he can't get back. He has to finish his loop and he can't call for emergency because what is he going to say? I'm creeped out because of a head. So he basically buries it again and he walks on. And he just basically, how he describes it is he walks and walks and walks 
And when it gets even dark, he walks ahead even more because he's trying to finish this loop, his patrol, as fast as he can. And he even talks about, like, so each night he camps. And I'm assuming he has, like, a tent and he sets it up and he probably sets a fire. Like, you know, he it's, it's, a, little, it's a little camping area. And he describes how all he did for this last one. Let me look at my notes. So he was thoroughly creeped out that all he did was he found a tree next to some of these outcropping rocks and he puts his backpack in the tree, you know, so that way, you know, can't get to basically leans against the tree and stays up until dawn. Next morning, he gets up, finishes his patrol, gets back to his truck, does whatever he needs to do, turn in the photos, turn in his report, talks about it. Then he gets in this truck. And he drives into the valley back to his home and he doesn't relax until he gets in his home and that's when he sleeps. And he was like, okay, well, I wonder what, you know, they're going to say about this. And he goes back, never talks about it. Like, you know, no one brings it up. Like no one really thought that was weird. And so I was telling the story to Chris last night because he saw me researching it and I was telling him, like, yeah, I got this really creepy story. And I told him about him. He's like, yeah, that's just someone who probably is you know, has some cabin out there and, you know, it, maybe he just wants to creep someone out or this or that. I'm like, honey, I'm not saying it's Bigfoot. I'm saying that's creepy. You're completely alone. I almost want it to be Bigfoot because Bigfoot doesn't really bother you in the sense that, like, it seems like they, you know, get scared off. But if it was someone hunting and, you know, kind of doing weird things, that's sudden. That is so much creepier to me. Like, that's ten times more creepier. It it almost feels like they were, like, giving them a warning or something like that. Yeah. Like, watch where you're going. Yeah, and I was just telling, well, imagine if you were coming the other way. So you see one that's a skull, and then a little bit fresher, and then freshes. Like, it would feel like you were heading into something, right? I don't know, like, so the guy I was talking about, he said he did that for a summer, and it, like, his, his blog site is pretty, it's called The Last Adventure, and, um, it, he looks like he goes exploring, he's done a lot of camping, um, a lot of hikes, a lot of places that he, de- he describes, so I definitely probably will use his site again, he actually had some stories about Han in San Diego, so I'll t- I, I suggest, go look at his site, it's pretty interesting, but that story, how he tells it, is so good, and, I found it on um, on Ranker because it was like showing all the ranks and of scary stories. And then on that site, it's only like a paragraph. Like Park Ranger finds three heads, boop, you know, three deer heads. And I was like, well, I want to learn more. And you read that story, and I read it, and I was so creeped out. I told Chris, I said he came in with my dogs, and the dog barked. It made me jump so much from my uh, chair. Yeah, that's what, that's 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 hella creepy. Yeah, right. It just. I don't know if I could do a job like that where you're completely alone, basically on your own for days at a time. I, I, I don't think I can do that. No, I definitely couldn't do it. I would be like, mm. I think, you know, he's sitting there going like, oh, I don't know if I should report this. I don't know what those, I'd be reporting the hell out of it. I'd be like, uh, guys, there's like some severed deer heads out here. I think I can, can somebody send a buddy for me or something? I need. <laughs> That's actually surprising that that they don't do like a buddy system. You know I, mean? I know, right? Like, surprised there's not more tales of rangers going missing or something. So, Jay, when I was looking for stories, 
there's a lot of, I mean, there was on some on Reddit, there was some, there was people asking on Reddit, like, hey, I want to hear about park ranger stories, I want to hear about the creepy stories, I want to hear about anything you have. So there are stories out there, I was kind of reading some, but I didn't want to get sidetracked, because I know we were staying in Central California, or at least California. I really think we need to do a show and do even more national park stories, because... I know there's like a lot of disappearances that oh. aren't even really discussed. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, Missing 411, there's that. I heard about it on the Ghost Story Guys. And I guess there's this book series called Missing 411. And I watched two of the movies. It's by, uh, what's, his, what's his name? David Paladis? Paladis? P A U L. Paladis? P A U L I D E S. This is off the top of my head, so I apologize if I A, get it wrong, because I usually do, and B, if I spelled it wrong. But his stories, um, I guess he also has a YouTube channel. I haven't checked it out, but I saw the two documentaries. The one, the first one was interesting. It was just called Missing for One. And it's about like kids and stuff and creepy stories. But the one that he did, and it's on Hulu. Or no, I'm sorry. This one's on Amazon Prime. Missing for One Hunters, or like called The Hunted. That one is so good like even Chris kind of started watching it because I watched it a second time and he was watching it I said this is my favorite segment and he said that's really creepy like Chris doesn't usually like he actually said well what happened to him I'm like we don't know that's why it's so like he's missing and like Chris is like that's really creepy and whenever Chris does that I know that he's kind of thinking about it so yeah we should totally do like the missing people and there's ghost stories, there's ranger stories, there's creepy, you know, let's not meet stories. If you haven't heard about that podcast, that's an excellent podcast. It's real stories, true stories about encounters with strange people, strange situations, and it's basically called Let's Not Meet. Highly recommend. But I think we should totally do an episode on that. I, I agree. All right, so we'll, we'll work on it, people. But uh, if you have stories, please let us know. You went camping, saw something weird. Oh, Ashley. If you saw a, if you saw a fist fight between two cryptids, <laughs> I want to know about it. Ashley, speaking of missing people, I'll save it for when we do it. But Chris actually has a missing person story. Oh, well, yeah, definitely we'll have to add that next time. Yeah. So, uh, okay, legendary listener shout out, I guess. Yes. Okay. Okay, so I'm really excited because this notebook that I write all my stories in, I'm basically down to the last two pages, and I probably will use it to write down everyone we shouted out to in this notebook. So that way we can make sure that we don't do doubles. I can't remember if we did this or not, so I apologize if you get two shoutouts, but I really want to shout out to our legendary listeners in Chicago, Illinois. I have a feeling we may have done it, but you guys have just been, between you and LA, have been like doing so many downloads. Like one week is Chicago, one week it's LA. And usually we'll shout out to like our newer pe- newer downloads. But I gotta admit, you guys, you guys have been really climbing up there in the numbers of downloads. So thank you so much for listening, for sharing, you know, for contacting yeah. us. Really appreciate it. Okay, you want to take us home? This has been another exciting and successful episode of Legends in the Dark. My name is Jay. And I'm Leslie. Your purveyors of the paranormal, your curators of the creepy, and also two people who will never, ever, ever get a job where we have to walk around alone in the woods. Nope, 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 nope.
We wish you all a good night. Good night.